Good evening, welcome to another episode of Church Matters. This week we are joined by... Michael Newbold. And... Alan Fraser, again. Tagging. <laughs> you always have that one annoying friend who tags along in everything <laughs> that you do. And that's Paul. And that's... Yeah. <laughs> I always feel like the odd one out. Thanks, guys. Um, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you. It's a, very, it's a great privilege to have you on the show. Um, we've been trying to get through your agent, <laughs> but he was too failed. He was too tied up at your other church. <coughs> no matter. Um, so, like I say, we're glad you've joined us, and we just wanted to kind of get a, a little bit about you, a little bit about your story, because um, apparently you are one of these Christian folk. Apparently so. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> so for you, where, where have you grown up as, as church, as God's been something that's been part of your early life? Uh, yeah, it was quite foundational in my early life. Um, it's, well, I say that, it, it wasn't, it wasn't. So basically none of my family are church goers or anything. Um, but as four-year-olds, I, through circumstances, moved in with my grandma and granddad. Um, they became like illegal guardians. And... Basically, a week after after moving in there, um, there was a woman who lived at the end of the world called Phyllis. Um, oh, what a great, yeah, that's a great name. She, was she an old person? She was, yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, when I was four, she was an old person. She was probably only 50. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a proper name. But Phyllis Petrie, she was called. Bless her, she's, she's dead and gone now and she's with the Lord. But she was just one of them full-on evangelistic missionary just woman and basically she came knocked on the door and then she was like right get your grandson ready in the morning he's coming to church and like my grandma she's that kind of person where you just you don't say no to um so my grandma was like right okay he'll be ready um go on Phyllis so yeah four-year-old I basically I was dressed ready went to church ended up going to Sunday school for the next 10 years um and that's basically how, how church formed um, what, for me. Where is this? That was at Norton Baptist Church. Norton. Um, used to be in the William Newton Centre, but unfortunately the building is gone now. Um, so yeah, it's... So you're a, a Stockton lad? I am Stockton through and through. Through and all, through. Yes, I am Norton, um, just right next to St Mary's Church is where... Do you make that distinction between Norton and Stockton? Uh, I do actually, yeah, because... <laughs> <laughs> Norton was originally, if you go in the history, was there first, and that's where the actual <laughs> parish was. And then um, Stockton has gate crashed. Yeah, Stockton Parish thing got built, um, but Saint Mary's used to be the parish basically ah. before. And that, and so Norton Baptist Church was part of your early Christian life. It was, yeah. Um, and would you would you describe that as like a a traditional type of church or? Um, so it was like a, a Baptist, so it was quite, it was quite new. Um, so for the folk who are listening, it was basically birthed out of, there was a couple of people, the Hardwick Baptist, the Stockton Tabernacle, um, which is now called Stockton Baptist Church, I think it is. Yeah. Um, it will forever be called the Tab to me. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically there was a couple of people out of each one basically got together and formed and they, they just had a heart and a desire to, to church plant basically. Yeah. Um, so it's been going 29 years now. Um, and it was just, yeah, to me it was, it was foundational. I didn't realise it at the time. 
um, what actually the church were putting into my life, like the love and just how you, the respect for each other and stuff. Um, but to me, I kind of just seen it as a youth group. It was where I formed a lot of friends. Yeah. I just went there, it was something to do on a Friday and Saturday, um, and then the Sundays, I kind of got involved with doing like the, the sound tech, and that, that was pretty much the only thing that kept me. I didn't really get a grasp and a love for, for God. Um, yeah. There was a lot of Bible verses which resonated with me, but it was, just, it was one of them that you just read and just like, oh yeah, that's nice. Um, so that kind of just went on for, for th- well, about, yeah, I'd say about 10 years. Um, and then basically I, I left the church when I was around 14 and massively went the other way. <laughs> so obviously, like you've already said at four, you, you kind of, you've moved away from your parents and in with your grandparents. So that's a pretty difficult start to life. Uh, yeah. Um, so like my mum and dad were never, never married. Um, and basically they were, they were always separate, like from the from like yeah. early age. Um, and basically, yeah, I, I lived with my mum, dad didn't really see at the time, um, and yeah, basically just the, the care that I was getting and stuff like that wasn't good, um, and my grandma basically just seen that, she went to court, fought for me, and I ended up moving at home, um, it was kind of like a lot of... Uh, my brother lived with my mum as well, so it was kind of like idealisation of him, and I yeah. was just kind of a number, basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, they went, and do you know what, they've just been a solid foundation. Um, and Phyllis. A, a true rock, and, and Phyllis, and yeah. Because um, her sister actually, Phyllis's sister lived next door to us as well, so it was like double trouble in the road. And it was, what, what was her name? Uh, Lucy Trowell. Ah, that's not as, no, that's not as exciting not, as Phyllis. Not. Betty, it needed to be a like a Betty there's no Betty in the street <laughs> I feel like you've missed out growing up I have so you've just mentioned there you you had an older brother at that time I did yeah, yeah. yeah he was two and years older two years older so you've kind of gone to Sunday school and things and you're kind of about 14 at this point yeah and, and, and things kind of seem to have taken a bit of a turn yeah um, so before that uh, when I was around 11 year old um, my brother was in a tragic car crash um, that was in like Maduba, um, over in Redka. And basically, there was my granddad Dave and my brother. There were, he, basically, my brother Philip, he, he played basketball for Redka and he was also played like football for, he just got scouted for the for Football Club. Oh, wow. um, but he was, on, he was on his way to Redka, Redka Bear? No, no, it wasn't Redka Bears. Redka something, I've forgotten the name of the team it was. Um, Basically, Cable Junction, looked both ways. It was about eight o'clock at night. Nothing was coming. My granddad pulled out and a car just sideswiped him. Um, my brother died instantly. Um, and then my granddad got rushed to, rushed to hospital. He survived. Um, I don't know how he feels to this day, but um, I've just been there. Um, so yeah, that kind of impacted my, just my whole mental state yeah. um, quite a lot. Um, I was oh, obviously, you were 11? I, I was 11. I was 13? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's and rough. just, yeah, so I remember coming home from school, my grandma just basically saying, I've got something I need to tell you. Um, she told me, and that was it. I just, I broke down basically. I was off school for quite a bit. Um, and it just, yeah, it took a while to, to get my head around it. Um, 
and then about a year kind of went and one day I was just I was just had enough basically I just wanted to because I only really seen with moving to my grandma I only really seen my brother like on birthdays and Christmases yeah and that was about the only time so we had a bond like when we were together we were kind of inseparable but outside of that we didn't really have that brotherly bond um but I just I'd had enough and I just wanted to to see him again basically I just wanted to be there with him so oh. I, was, I was around 12 mm-hmm. um, I, I remember it was clear as day, um, everyone was in bed, I just came down, it was about one o'clock in the morning, went in the kitchen, got the biggest kitchen knife that I could, and basically went to to kill myself. Um, tried twice, but it, it was it was the first time that looking back, um, I realised that God was always with me, because yes. um, I, I tried with the knife, but it was just like a, a brick wall right in front of me. Uh, I physically just couldn't push it. Um, so I just put the knife away when I realised that I couldn't do it. Uh, ran upstairs and just cried the whole night. Never told anybody until about two years ago now wow. Um, wow. that story. So I've I've suppressed quite a lot of emotions and just mental. Um, and I think it, it's made me strong in a person, but at the same time, it's kind of had a counter effect that mm. I just suppress emotions. Yes. Um, so yeah, that kind of led from there and then I started around 13, 14 hanging around with the like the wrong crowd, um, started smoking which naturally progressed into um, weed, cannabis and then that naturally progressed into like harder drugs, started taking pills, cocaine and pretty much everything apart from injecting. That was one thing that I'd never, never do um, and that just kind of was my life for a couple of years, um, started drinking and kind of just partying hard. Basically, I wouldn't think twice about downing a bottle of vodka or whiskey. And how old were you when this was at this point? I was around fifteen. Okay, right. Fifteen. Um, so there was numerous occasions. If anyone's familiar with Norton Duck Pond and the Green, whereas I I just wake up fully naked on the Green, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's just through. I think that still happens today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't really. Um, so yeah, it's just, I just got myself into just such a state where I didn't have a clue what was going on. I'd wake up in benches, parks, and just here, there, and everywhere, basically. So I'm, I'm assuming school wasn't great um, for sco- you, me. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it, but it was mainly... It was mainly teachers, to be honest. I just didn't get on. I think it was more like an authority. Because um, I did enjoy education, I did. But I didn't do as good as what I should have done. But, yeah, it's just, I think it was that authoritative. And there was a couple of fights and all this sort of stuff. And But my head, t- uh, not my head teacher, my, oh, what do you call him? Head of your... Your tutor. Mm. Yeah, form tutor. Your, your form tutor, yeah. He, he was remarkable. Um, so he started the school when I went into year seven and like we had him throughout the whole school. Um, but he, Mr. Marsden, he was called Paul, incredible guy. Um, he's no longer with the school, he's over in Sunderland now, but he he was kind of a good a good influence and role model. Um, and he, he'd always, he'd seen potential in me. Yeah. Um, so he'd always give me a try. I was like, yes, you've done this, but I also see this in you. Do you not want to go this way? Um, he, he just played a key role, basically. Yeah. Um, I met up with him a couple of years ago and we went for a meal and stuff and it's just nice to 
to just chat and just mm. as an adult basically it's weird sitting there in front of your teacher and you're like I used to call you sir now I'm calling you Paul yeah. <laughs> <laughs> weird but it was good as a, um, as a teacher I've been called a lot worse <laughs> so yeah and that just naturally took took its course um, and I think the next significant thing 16 year old fell in love with a woman um, who Paul begrudgingly because I, I moved to uh, Grangetown with this and hey. Paul... <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't even talk about this one yeah, yeah so I, I met a woman she was in uh, Grangetown and basically I, I, I went behind my grandma's back and for around about a year I would just lie where I was going I, be, I became so good at lying that I just the stories that I told were just so real basically and just people would believe me um, and yeah so I, I would used to steal money to get to go onto the bus um, from wherever basically the stores or family or just horrible things to do um, but I would basically get the money from wherever um, get the bus go and see her stay over but obviously pretend that I'm staying over somewhere else um, I used to get like friends mums to ring my grandma and stuff and just like everything just it was <laughs> yeah I, I had the whole plot oh, good. I had the whole plot just seemed out that was me dropping a quid <laughs> <laughs> which we're not struggling to get yeah. for now yeah. it's a quid <laughs> Um, so presumably then uh, between 11 and let's say 11 and 16 you've kind of uh, the, the avenue of the whole drink drugs etc is because you've repressed uh, the emotions of your brother and, and obviously your uh, attempted suicide mm-hmm. um, and kind of that, therefore you're it's more of a destructive path yeah, yeah. Than, than maybe you would take yeah. <laughs> so at 16, we're still partying? Uh, yes, we are. Um, but not as much, because I, I came as cars, like, I'm a, I'm a real car lover. Um, I still am to this day. I just can't afford the, the nice cars, but... <laughs> Join the club. It's, <laughs> I, I've, I've got a real heart for, for cars, and I basically, when it was... When it used to be cool, Teesside Park on a Wednesday night. Um, Still cool now. It, it's not. It's not. It's not what it used to be. You could literally leave your engine running, your keys in, and just walk around and just. Oh keep... no, you can't do that. No. But they still go there now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, basically, I, I was part of a, a car forum, um, Northeast Car Cruising Community. And that, that's <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging you. <laughs> and that that's basically where I'm at, Kaylee. Um, and who is now the mother of my child. Um, so very quickly after meeting her, obviously I was going behind my grandma's back. I moved in about a year later um, and yeah, basically within three months of living there, she became pregnant. Um, I very, I mean, I was 16 at the time. She already had a daughter um, who was about eight months old and basically I, I kind of helped raise her as well. Yeah. Um, but I was adamant that I didn't want a child and she did basically. Um, so yeah, hey ho, she was pregnant. <laughs> so is, is this a wake up call as a, as a, for a, uh, to become from a, being a boy to a man? Um, it was, I mean, I, I was massively scared to, and I was shocked and I basically ran away for 
yeah, a, a few weeks basically. <laughs> um, good male response. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was just massively scared to be honest. Um, and then I basically I, I pushed and pushed for abortion. Um, she wouldn't have it, and I'm thankful that she didn't. Um, mm. And it's just yeah, it took me a while to get my head around it, um, and then obviously we did. Um, and yeah, it was just, I really welcomed, once I actually got in that frame of mind, I really welcomed the fact that I was going to have a son, um, we ended up getting engaged and then things, like I was still 16 and we were going to get married in Gretna Green, Scotland and all this sort of stuff. Um, but then we went our separate ways when she was around eight, nine months pregnant, um, through various reasons. And yeah, basically I, I went back to my grandma's and that was basically, yeah, for the next, I'd say four or five years was just solicitors, courts, um, battle, fighting to just see him. I didn't know he was born, um, but again, I was suppressing all these feelings as well. Yes. Um, and I, I just, again, turned to drink um, more drink than drugs, um, and it was just went back down that spiral route again. Basically, um, it took about another year, year and a half for me to man up and just think. Actually, yeah, I've got a, I've got a son. Um, I had very little contact with her, and yeah, it just kind of was ongoing. Um, but through all this, Charlie basically suffers with hydrocephalus, yeah, um, which is excess water on the brain, and this was caused. So within the first two years of him being born, um, he basically had group estrechosis, meningitis, um, he's had blood transfusions, he died on the theatre table twice, wow. um, and he's just had various other things, um, and the outcome and condition from all that is basically hydrocephalus. Yes. Um, so obviously there's a lot of hospital appointments, a lot of, and all this I just couldn't get my head around again, um, and it just suppressing basically. Um, Can you even say 11 years old you've lived a life of of things than most people would ever go through Mm -hmm. let alone get into 18 Mm -hmm. and having that as well Mm -hmm. is actually quite remarkable I don't know many people who would ever have one of those issues Mm -hmm. within a lifetime let alone within the first 18 years of your life. Yeah (laughs) Yeah, it was quite quite a different 18 year old's lifestyle yeah um, most people are doing A-levels or yeah going to uni yeah um, I mean I, I went to college you, you um, go to Gridgetown <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's some random car forum <laughs> <laughs> after waking up in the park naked the, yes that yeah it's quite eye opening really when you look back and you're like no <laughs> <laughs> why do I do these things so but yeah it was just I, I, I had to man up basically so, um, so at 18, are we working at 18? Have we we got... were working, yeah, so I was in an apprenticeship, yeah. um, electrical engineering apprenticeship. 18, I was down in Hull, um, basically Hull flooded, we got a contract to go and do all the rewires. Um, so went down and done that. I was away for about six months, I think. Yes. Um, but we were subcontractors, the main contractors weren't paying the subcontractors, so then we all got, got laid off, excuse me. Um, so I was out of work again, I managed to get another apprenticeship um, and again that failed 
it was just basically the housing boom at that time was going yeah. down. Um, so I tried to get three apprenticeships and every one of them I basically couldn't get on mm. because we all just got laid off. So mm. I was just like, is this meant to be? Am I not meant to get this? Um, so from that I ended up going into, where was it? It was Coral Bookmakers. Um, went for an interview there as just store assistant, ended up getting the assistant manager's job. Um, and I was there for about two years, I think. Um, store got held up twice, armed robbery. Um, not you at all. That was, yeah, that was quite eye-opening and quite fun. Um, I say fun loosely. It was just, it was fun to watch how the police work and like coming in and ramming in with like a shield. Um, wow. It was just, yeah, it was interesting to watch, but yeah. horrible at the same time. Mm. Um, trying to keep it calm and cool. Um, since then, I've just had job after job after job, basically. Mm. Um, I haven't really been stable in a job, which has affected various things and like money situations and all sorts. Mm. Um, but I think that's kind of the way that my life's kind of went. It's just I've had a very unstable <laughs> life. Gosh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm 28 now, and I think I'm just finally, it's like, yeah, obviously... Starting to come round. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a question, Mike. Yeah. So I, I've known you probably two years. Two years, yeah. Um, increasingly so in two years, obviously. There was a point two years when I met you for the first time, didn't really know you at all. But in the time I've known you, I've always known you as a musician. Mm -hmm. So was music part of your life nope. back then, even in the chaos, or, or not? Or if not, how did it? Come part of your life, what's the story yeah. there? So, when I was around, I'd say about 14, 15, I, I wanted to play guitar basically. Okay. Right. Um, so, Grandma, bless her, went out, bought me a guitar. Um, it was an electric guitar, sparkly gold, everything you thought was beautiful. Um, I don't know what I do. Well, yeah, I do know what I do. So, that's <laughs> so look for drugs. Um, so, yeah, basically, that. My poor grandma. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it was about six, seven months I got lessons and I'd had enough. I just got bored because I couldn't see any progression. I didn't think I was good. And I was just getting massively stressed out because I just couldn't keep up to date with it, basically. Yeah. Um, it was too academically... You had to put in like an hour at least a day and stuff. And <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I've got better things to do, basically. So I... After about seven months, I gave up and I never mm. touched anything apart from in school when you done music. Yeah. I'd never done any mm. anything music at all. Um, I've always been a real great lover of music, but I never thought that I'd be playing guitar or singing. Um, yeah. That was only when I came basically back to the church. Um, yeah. Within the first eight months, God basically said, "Pick up the guitar," wow. and I was like, "Who was that?" Like. It was basically one of the first times that I heard God speak to me. Yeah, okay. um, and it was just one of the first first things that he said. So I was like, no. And this went on for about two months. And then he um, was just like, I think he might have been getting fed up, but he was just like, buy guitar. Um, <laughs> so I just went on went on eBay Marketplace, uh, sorry, Facebook Marketplace, and I just found like a, a, just a cheap Yamaha guitar, bought right. that, and it was just amazing how quickly them lessons came back. Yeah. And it was just, 
it was weird because it was as if something just clicked and like actually yeah. I, I get music theory now right. um, yeah. and wow. it's just putting that into practice and then that basically just is how I got into music I've mm. um, been doing it about two and a half years now and thanks to you guys Paul and uh, Alan um, and Harry basically mm. for messaging me um, is how I basically started my my music ministry basically through embrace church right. and it's just yeah because it's the, that you're an established worship leader now which yeah within the last <laughs> and it's been quite a journey over the last two years yeah. but as you like you said there you know you heard god speak to you clearly so at some point in all of this um you've kind of you, you've been brought up in the youth group etc and then obviously you've come back to yeah to God, yeah. What's what's the story with that? So, two thousand sixteen, um, basically on Facebook, I have a an amazing brother, um, Jacob Waters, who he I've basically seen this transition in him. He was, if you think of me, times ten, basically, uh, he was involved with Russian mafia and all sorts. Um, but we basically went to school with other. We were in yeah. the same year. He was that half. I was this half two kind of like males um, and yeah we we got on we said hello and stuff like that but we weren't like best mates or anything um, and I, I don't know why I had him on Facebook um, but he, he'd kick I'd see, basically seen that transition in him from what he used to be like to now and then all he, he's just posting Bible verse after Bible verse online um, and I don't know why, but I just started clicking like on some of them. And it was just something with inside of me was just like, oh, yeah, that's nice. And it was just obviously going back to the youth group, yeah, certain yeah. things that have just resonated with me. Yeah. Um, this went on for about six months. And then one day out the blue, he just messaged me. He was like, hey, how are we doing? I've noticed that you're liking a lot of Bible verses and stuff. Um, can I ask, like, why? Uh, I was like, to be honest, I don't know. Uh, he was like, Do you fancy meeting up for coffee? Yeah. Um, so went and met up for coffee. I hadn't seen him in probably 11 years. So that was strange in itself. Mm. Um, so we went, went and had a coffee. Um, he told me his story and how he came to Firth. Um, and I basically told him bit, like my story. Yeah. Um, and basically, long and short, he was like, you need Jesus in your life? And I was like, no, I don't. I, don't. <laughs> I, I, I was... <laughs> He, I was. I wouldn't say I was an, an atheist, but I was kind of like, I was abrupt, and I was like, yeah. no, I, I don't need Jesus. The, like he's not real, and I just, I knew something was out there, but yes. I knew that God wasn't it. Um, so then he, he basically was going on for a couple of minutes, and he was like, you need Jesus, and I was like, no, I don't. Um, I think he got a bit fed up, and then he was like, right, I tell you what, Graham Seed's giving his testimony. Oh um, wow, yeah. At Rivers Life Church. This, I think I met him on the Thursday and he said it was this Sunday. Um, what year are we now? 2016. 2016 yeah. So, yeah. Keep um, up, Alan. Yeah, so oh. two, two, still 2016. Yeah. Um, Sorry, he's getting old. And I think it was around May time. Okay. Because I got baptised, jumping ahead a bit, I got baptised in September. Um, so, yeah, he basically said, Graham Seed speaking at my church um, this Sunday and my face kind of dropped a bit because Sunday was like Sunday fun day for us like yarn session everything like that um, so he was like I'll leave that with you it's up to you whether you come um, so what's interesting actually sorry as a, as a, as a youth or, and or children's worker you know at those points where you see 
quite a lot of kids like yourself who kind of come and go through Sunday school or go through youth groups, etc., and then leave, mm-hmm. and you kind of think, I wonder what ever happened to Mikey yeah. Newbold yeah, or yeah, yeah. whoever it is. Yeah, yeah. And actually, sometimes you kind of feel a little bit disheartened that you've seen yeah. and had like five or six years or ten years with, with these mm-hmm. in your group, and then all of a sudden yeah. they leave. Yeah. And you wouldn't ever wonder, are those foundations that you put into place... Are they important? You know, is the work that youth and children's workers do. Um, sorry, I'm taking a sidetrack. But I just no, wondered, true, you yeah. know, you build those foundations. Yeah. Are they worth the investment? Or does it just feel like that? Oh, I've just wasted my time. I've wasted 10 years of my life with that, with that Mikey Newbold. Yeah. And now he's gone. But some little seeds that you just drop that just yeah. one day yes. may just come into fruition. Yeah. And I think that's what we, we strive for. It's not about salvation is talking about just dropping them little seeds of yeah. faith and one day hopefully they may just well and one day yeah. is coming up for you <laughs> it is yeah um so basically yeah sunday fun day i was in the arm and it was a glorious sunshine day outside we're in the bee garden like Kit- today like today yeah it's been beautiful actually I've got a lot of tan though, um, <laughs> unlike you mr paul i tan very easily <laughs> in fact i'm probably burned <laughs> Um, yeah, it was around half five at this time. He was the church was opening at six, and all of a sudden it just became overcast, grey, and it started pouring down. Um, and I was like, obviously, I didn't think anything of it, but I was like, I've got two choices now. Obviously, God, God was at work, um, so I could either go home or go to the church. I fought for about 10 12 minutes, and I ended up outside the church, and then I basically again for about five minutes I was like I'm not going in yes I'm going in I'm not going to <laughs> um, fight with yourself yeah. in the car park so then I opened the door didn't know who Graham Seed was basically um, and this dude like this big stocky just a guy that you wouldn't mess with um, he basically just pointed his finger at me and he was just like your next son smiled at me and walked off so I was like who's this dude little did I know it was Graham Seed um, I lost my wallet last time someone said that to me <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of, it kind of don't get me wrong that doesn't happen at every church that you go to it was just he, he had a sense from God that I basically need to come back to church um, so I, I was very adamant that I was going to leave so I sat at the very back of the church right next to the fire exit and I ended up staying in the hall the whole thing his testimony just kind of drew me in yeah. um and then at the end he was like right there's uh, there's three people here to tonight who i know need to give their lives to jesus two lads went up and he basically went on for about 15 minutes he was like no nah, there's somebody else here tonight um long and the short holy spirit overtook my body i ended up at the front of the church mm-hmm. and he just yeah he just smiled at me and said i knew it was you um What's funny is that the other two guys, after about six months, completely left the church and are back doing what they were doing. Um, and I'm coming up three years later now that I'm just stronger than ever, basically. Um, I, I couldn't ever not leave church. Mm. Um, so yeah, basically that happened. And a very similar thing with Shane Taylor, um, who was, for anyone who doesn't know, a um, guy from Peter Lee, He's in maximum securities for 10 years, basically he was positioned next door to Charles Bronson. Um, he found faith through Alpha course within the prisons. Yeah. Um, so I went and heard his testimony and a similar thing happened there. Um, Holy Spirit came under me 
my best mate was there because he likes all like sci-fi documentaries and like all this horror stuff um, so I thought right I'm going to take you along and get the gospel at the same time <laughs> um, so I mean he's you've now become Phyllis yeah <laughs> yeah it's weird isn't it I love it um, I love Phyllis already so yeah took him along and basically halfway through when Shane was giving his testimony he basically nudged me and he was like are you alright I was like yeah yeah why he was like no are you alright I was like, yeah, but then I looked down and I was just like shaking and like all colour had gone out of me. And he was like, this is God. I was like, how do you not know? And then from, uh, just from that day, basically, I've, I've never looked back. Um, I've been a part of all sorts, basically. Um, if you just open your eyes and let him in, it's just he takes you on a journey, man. Mm. He really does. <laughs> because to look at you now and know you now, you would never think for a second that that would be your past, that would be your testimony, your yeah. story. I mean... It's, it's quite it's his testament to God is really mm. because at that time between your sort of uh, upbringing at Norton Baptist Church before you left and mm. like you openly said you know you didn't really know Jesus for yourself whereas in that moment or in those two moments there is a clear difference between mm. being in church yeah. and just serving and getting involved in something to actually all this stuff is mm. is real yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you said about the Holy Spirit, the shaking, etc. What? How do you know that that is a the Holy Spirit, and b how does that help you build that personal relationship with Jesus? Um, I think for me it was just a matter of actually what has just happened. I sought counsel from various pastors, um, people that at at that time I, I thought was like respectful. Um, so I basically said this has happened to me what is it they basically said right okay this is holy spirit it yeah. might have been a baptism of fire it might not have been but that's for you to and god to basically bring prayer about and just see um and I, I don't believe it was a baptism of fire but the holy spirit came came under me um and it was just the start of a relationship with jesus basically um and i i, I really do think if it wasn't for that kind of I'll call it a manifestation it's, it's mm. might not be the right word but if it wasn't for that and just the way that the Holy Spirit's work I don't think I would be in the church I yeah. needed that actual it's not for everyone but I, I needed that actual physical shake up basically yes. um, to say that right actually the God is real basically yeah. um, and from then it was just like I say it was just learning how to pray um, what mm. to listen out for um, how to open the heart up to him and just surrender basically yes and it was just, it became very liberating and freeing. Um, a hard journey though, actually, to just give up things. Um, but it was just that constant prayer and getting to know that his voice, yes. it might sound weird for anybody listening, but it's just that there's certain distinct ways that he speaks to you and like mm. everybody's different, but and it's just knowing basically you want to get to know that through that relationship of speaking with him yeah. um, and testing it and testing the spirits um, mm. and just seeing is this real is this right is this wrong um, and again it's just going back to seeking counsel from people who have been in them situations because um, ultimately like i've said you've you, you've had that that's like a th almost a two and a half year journey well it's coming up to three years now isn't it yeah. We're coming up to may yeah. so that's like a three-year journey and you've had like you know, 18 years of almost losing a child, 
um, attempting your own life, losing your brother, um, drink, drugs, alcohol, um, uh, you know, so such a big part of your life taken up by all of those things to three years of being a Christian, to see the transformation in those mm. two in those two Mikeys, even though you yeah. are the same person, <laughs> mm. is 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 remarkable, really. Yeah. Because you've gone on to lead worship, you've gone on to be, like I say, an established worship leader, not just at Embrace Church, but in many different churches. Um, a preacher, um, someone who does um, Bible courses, and someone who is just desperately seeking God. Mm. And that's quite a... Mm. That's quite a changed it's a life. Change. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, and it's, don't get me wrong. Like I said, it has been hard. There has been friendships that have have fallen away. Um, but it's just that it's it's the way that I see that he is truth, and yes. I, I'm, I'm prepared yeah. to as harsh as this sounds. I'm prepared to lose friends. I'm prepared to yeah. for for what Jesus basically yeah. died on that cross. And, yeah, and it's yeah, he's. Yeah. He's alive and risen today, yeah. and it's yeah. So you've recently as well, you've made that tra- transition over to embrace. I have Woo! church. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, which is nice. Which was a long slog. Oh man, <laughs> I tell you what, reeling me in for about a year and a half. Negotiations can take a while. <laughs> the ten grand signed on fee <laughs> that Alan's paid <laughs> <laughs> was an eventual winner. <laughs> <laughs> So I know we never talk about five, ten year plans or even a year plan really, but what, what does what does the future hold for Mikey Newbold? Um, to be honest, I haven't really thought of it. Um, so basically, just quickly going back to when you were saying about the youth leader and stuff like that. So obviously the first time I walked back into Norton, that was to them, it was literally what you said then, like we haven't seen you for 10 years and just that overwhelming emotion. Yeah. Um, and basically they just came running up to me and was like, we've never stopped praying for you. And I believe that that was all basically yes. part of me coming back as well, prayer, wow. power of prayer basically. Um, so yeah, just going back to them and I ended up being with them for three years, um, Norton Baptist and it was great. Um, but it just, I don't want to say it wasn't me because church is church and I'm a big believer in local church and unity and stuff. Yeah. But I just feel that I, I was I was getting drawn elsewhere. Um, whether or not that was because something was being birthed or using giftings or whatever it was, but I just Norton didn't feel like home at yeah. this time. It did back then. But after coming basically to embrace that first time when I, I led worship with Harry, um and just, just seeing the atmosphere and the way that it was, um, and basically just keep, I kept on, was getting drawn back to you guys, basically. Um, must be the aftershave. It, it must be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Links after. <laughs> <laughs> but there was just something about the humility and just the, the openness and the, just the authenticity of what you actually seeking that really drew me in. Um, and yes, I know it took a long time, but it was just the timing was right. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know where I see the future. Obviously, I'm part of worship. Um, whether or not I'll end up in leadership, I don't know. That's up to God. It's just something that I need to need to pray on. I'm looking at going into the obviously the church is part of taking ground now. Um, so like looking at going into the theology course with taking ground yeah. and. As far as I'm aware, that's 
two or is it three years? Alan knows, but three years. Um, so yeah, who knows? It's who knows where that will? It's an exciting future. Be, yeah, because it's a god future. Amen. Amen. We like it. Well, do you know what? I mean, like I say, I don't know about you, but that's incredible. Mm, it's mm. just an incredible story. Thank you. And we're just excited. We're excited that you are part of Embrace. We're excited yeah. to yeah. see what, what is next for you. Um, and I think, you know, these these stories um, are going to, I think they're going to change people's lives mm. because that's a dramatic change mm. yeah. from yeah. this. Yeah. Mm. Very so we're grateful for you, your honesty, your openness yeah. for sharing with us tonight. Yeah. Um, Thank you. And like I say, we're just excited for what's to come. Yeah, very much. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think I just want to add, Mike, as well, that I feel we are reaping when many others have sown into you. Yes. Mm. And I just had a real sense that it's important that you keep in touch with all those people from the past. And not just keep in touch as a friend, but you know, just serve them where you can as well. Yeah. You know, that takes you from us sometimes. Yeah. You know, that you can just sow back, you know, into into people now who yeah. you know, are perhaps going through similar to you or perhaps not going through similar to you, but are just as lost yeah. in their own way as you were then. You know, I just feel yeah, it's good to give back. Yeah, definitely. And you've had a lot of input from lots of places. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Well, no, thank you again. It's been a pleasure. We're gonna let uh, we're gonna let Stephen Thompson, uh, he uh, also known as Hall North, is his DJ name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a good guy. We're gonna let him play play us out. But again, thank you for joining us. We're back again also next week. Um, and if you want to listen to any of the previous ones that we've recorded as well, they're all on our website as well. Well, thank you, Alan. It's been a pleasure having you as well. I have an easy night tonight. <laughs> like most nights. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Newbold. Thank you. Privilege as always. And we'll see you again soon.